The menorah rooted in the sanctuary signifies the inherent capacity of humanity to righteously seek knowledge and even to achieve intellectual greatness. And recall the constant teaching of the book of Proverbs, that only fear and awe of God facilitates the truly righteous seeking of knowledge and wisdom. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 240, Seven Pillars and Seven Branches. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. In his work, The Jewish War, Josephus describes the triumphant parade into Rome by Titus following his destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem. And in his description, Josephus makes mention of a number that is special to Jewish symbology. Quote, The spoils in general were born in promiscuous heaps, but conspicuous above all stood those captured in the Temple at Jerusalem. These consisted of a golden table, many talents in weight, and a lampstand, likewise made of gold, but constructed on a different pattern than those which we use in ordinary life. Affixed to a pedestal was a central shaft, from which there extended slender branches, arranged trident fashion, a wrought lamp being attached to the extremity of each branch. Of these there were seven, indicating the honor paid to that number among the Jews. The lampstand is, of course, the menorah. And Josephus argues that the menorah, which had seven lamps, was seen by Jews as linked to the special nature of the number seven. Now, of course, we know from the song, Who Knows One, previously discussed on the Bible 365 podcast, that seven represents the days of the week, and therefore the creation of the world. But there is also a verse in Proverbs that allows us to further understand the significance of seven in the context of the menorah, and thereby the larger meaning of the menorah in Jewish history. Before we turn to Proverbs, let us look at another image of the menorah, one much smaller than that seen on the Arch of Titus, the famous depiction of the Roman parade. We have sent a link of this image to you. What you are looking at is not a candelabra, but a small clay lamp, recently displayed in an antiquities exhibit in northern Israel. But inscribed upon the lamp is an image of the Temple Menorah, indicating perhaps that this lamp had been used on Hanukkah. For on that holiday, Jews would originally light not what today is known as a menorah, but rather something like the lamp in the picture you see before you, a classical lamp a large hole for oil, a small one for a wick. This is, in Hebrew, a ner. A ner means not light or candle, but lamp. A lamp like this would also be used for Shabbat. There would be no silver candelabras from Judaica stores. This lamp would serve as both a ner Shabbat, a lamp for the Sabbath, or a ner Hanukkah, a lamp for Hanukkah. What marked it as a Hanukkah lamp was placement, the fact that it would be put not inside the home, but outside the door. All this does not mean that what you are looking at is ordinary. Indeed, to paraphrase Robin Williams from the beginning of Aladdin, this is no ordinary lamp. Look carefully at it and you will see that the image etched carefully into it joins a menorah and a lulav, a palm branch, indicating perhaps both that this lamp is for the Hanukkah mitzvah and the fact that Hanukkah was originally given eight days as a parallel to Sukkot. And when we understand the image and the location in which this lamp was discovered, we can also comprehend how remarkable it is. Note first the bottom of the menorah image. It features a tripod, which according to Jewish tradition is how the menorah in the temple was meant to be made. The menorah portrayed here is therefore unlike the menorah displayed on the Arch of Titus, which has a broad base. It is assumed by some scholars that the image of the menorah on the arch, depicting how it looked at the time of the temple destruction, reflects in its base or pedestal 
a Roman aesthetic, perhaps changed from the original tripod in the days of Herod, which is possibly why, as Daniel Sperber has suggested, so many ancient Jewish etchings and artistic depictions take pains to show the menorah with a tripod in the land of Israel and in the diaspora in order to remember the menorah of the temple as it was meant to be. Art historian Alec Mishori writes as follows, quote, The main difference between all the renderings of the menorah on the floors of ancient synagogues in Eretz Israel and that depicted on the Arch of Titus in Rome is the base. On the latter, the seven branches of the candelabrum rest on a stepped polygonal base. Most of the former representations, by contrast, give the menorah a tripedal base. Thus, this seemingly simple lamp is, perhaps, so much more, a medium for remembering the light and sanctity of the temple in Jerusalem. In order to better understand why the tripod might be so central to the bottom of the menorah, why it should have three small legs rather than a base, let us first examine the top of the sacred object. Seven lamps, six branches extending around a central, seventh. In Proverbs chapter 9, we are given a verse about wisdom. It reads, Wisdom hath built her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars. This is an interesting verse that became important to the symbolism of the candelabra in the temple. As we mentioned some 200 episodes ago in our discussion of the tabernacle, because this verse in Proverbs describes wisdom ewing her home with seven pillars, commentators connected the verse to the concept that all of knowledge could be divided into seven branches, and they therefore assumed that this candelabra is an embodiment of enlightenment, of the attaining of wisdom. We can further understand how this would be linked to the creation of the world in seven days. For if God created existence in seven days, then this means that seven embodies the wisdom with which God created the world. And knowledge is what we can discover in the world created by God. Indeed, in the previous chapter of Proverbs, wisdom speaks and describes God making wisdom manifest at creation. We are told, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there, when he set a compass upon the face of the depth. When he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep. When he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment. When he appointed the foundations of the earth. Then I was by him, as one brought up with him. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Wisdom, embodied in Proverbs and in Jewish tradition first and foremost by the Torah, is reflected in God's creation of the world. Thus, seven is linked to the wisdom of God with which he created the world, the wisdom that we seek to learn. We can now turn back to the menorah. In our discussion of the tabernacle, we made mention of Ephraim Haruveni and his wife Chana Haruveni, botanists that immigrated to the Holy Land in the early days of the Yishuv, who sought a plant among Israeli soil that could have served as a botanical equivalent of the menorah because they were convinced that the menorah was meant to serve as an artistic embodiment of a tree. They walked around the Holy Land looking at specimens and, as we mentioned, discovered the salvia plant, including the one native to Israel, the salvia palestina, which looks exactly like a menorah with branches, extending, akin to that of the candelabra. The menorah, then, we suggested, portrays a luminous tree, And we further put forward the possibility that if the seven branches reflect seven branches of wisdom, then the menorah, which is also adorned with golden flowers and buds, becomes the embodiment of a tree of knowledge. 
But if partaking of the tree of knowledge in Eden embodied a sinful attempt on the part of humanity to devise its own moral code, the menorah rooted in the sanctuary signifies the inherent capacity of humanity to righteously seek knowledge and even to achieve intellectual greatness. And recall the constant teaching of the book of Proverbs that only fear and awe of God facilitates the truly righteous seeking of knowledge and wisdom, and that therefore it is only rooted in all that the temple represents that we can truly become wise. This, I think, is the symbol of the three legs of the menorah. They are meant, perhaps, to represent roots, a symbolism that could not be achieved with a broad-based pedestal. Seven branches of wisdom and three roots that symbolically connect to the sacred soil of the Temple Mount, thereby embodying the verse in the Psalms describing how we can truly flourish. Shtulim bevet Hashem Planted in the house of God, in the courtyards of our God they shall flourish. Thus, to place an image of the tripod menorah with seven branches on a small Hanukkah lamp in northern Israel was to reroute oneself, to reconnect to Jerusalem. And here location and chronology become so important. This lamp was uncovered in the location of ancient Usha, which is the place to which the Sanhedrin fled from Yavne during the Hadrianic persecution. In fact, this lamp was part of a special Hanukkah exhibit in Israel, highlighting archaeological discoveries from what is now called the Sanhedrin Trail, which marks the various journeys taken by this supreme rabbinic body. In Hadrian's day, Jerusalem had already fallen. Judea was defeated. But this was not enough for the Roman emperor. He created a totally Roman city out of Jerusalem, renaming it, creating a center of paganism from which Jews were banned. Hadrian, who loved Greek culture, was, in a certain sense, the heir to Antiochus in his own age. He was the Antiochus who succeeded. Antiochus sought to make Jerusalem into a pagan city, but he was expelled by Judah the Maccabee. Hadrian sought to make Jerusalem into a pagan city, and the Jewish revolt, led by Bar Kokhba, failed to expel him. And therefore, for some time, Hadrian truly achieved his aims, but not, Jews believed, permanently. And therefore, what we see, perhaps, is a Hanukkah lamp that was kindled at the door of a domicile in Usha at what was then the most terrible moment in Jewish history. Not only the temple destroyed, but a temple to Olympian Zeus created in its place and nary a Jew in Jerusalem. And yet, a Jew living in the Galilee proclaims through this small lamp with the seven-branched menorah and the tripod etched upon it that the light of Jerusalem was not forgotten and that now his home has become a small symbol of the home described in Proverbs, a home where the wisdom and the light of the temple is not forgotten. Standing today in the ruins of ancient Rome, as a Jew, thinking of a vibrant Jewish Jerusalem is one of the most remarkable religious experiences that one can have. But it is even more inspiring if we realize that we are here today as Jews because of those Jews in the past who saw the actual menorah held aloft by the Roman hordes and who nevertheless had the courage, the will, and the astonishing endurance to inscribe over and over their own image of the menorah, thereby expressing, in a simple but sublime way, a hope and a dream, described in some versions of Jewish liturgy. Or chadash al tzion ta'ir, v'nizkechul ano mehira leoro. May you, God, cause a new light to shine on Zion, and may we soon merit to rejoice in its luminance. The miracles of today and our faith in the miracles that are yet to come are inspired by these Jews of the past, Jews that even in Hadrian's age never forgot their beloved city. 
expressing the hope that we have just said recently, next year in Jerusalem. This is Mayor Salvechik wishing you a very joyous rest of Pesach, signing off.